why should I be afraid of dying? You know reason for it, you've got to go sometime. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Facts versus Rhetoric. Thank you very much for joining us today. And that was the amazing Pink Floyd, The Great Gig in the Sky. And, and just a quick sidebar on that song before we get started. It, it is amazing. And when the band was recording Dark Side of the Moon in, I think, 1975, they brought in Claire Torrey, who was a session vocalist. She was just a singer that would sing on people's albums. They brought her in. And they said, use your voice like an instrument. That's all the direction they gave her. And that's what happened. So just an amazing song. And I thought it'd be a great song to kick off our Peru series. If you haven't noticed, we're talking all things Peru. I recently, in the end of September, spent 10 days in the Andean mountains and wanted to chronicle the trip from conception to the integration of the things that I learned the most during my pilgrimage. And for my fellow public schoolers out there, a pilgrimage is a journey often into an unknown or foreign place where a person goes in search of a new or expanded meaning about their self, others, nature, or a higher good through the experience. And this can lead to a personal transformation after the pilgrim returns to their daily life. And is that what I did? Absolutely. And did I know what pilgrimage meant before going? Absolutely not. And I've released some of my pre-Peru phone conversations with my friend Michelle to try and give as much insight into what we were thinking before the trip. So if you want the details on the why I went, I suggest you listen to those uh, phone conversation episodes. But the short answer is someone who has helped me change my life asked me if I wanted to go to Peru and do ayahuasca. And I said yes without a thought, much less any questions on, I don't know, itinerary, logistics, accommodations, any of the natural follow-up questions that would be asked before committing to something. 
there was obviously no forethought into the decision to go. So when I later reflected on it, I realized that when it comes to the special people in my life, that everything happens for a reason. And that may be true for everyone in your life, but I've put myself on a strict diet of only special people in my life. So that's why I phrased it like that. Michelle is also a psychic medium. So that also helped me surrender and just say yes without much thought. What I wanted to get out of this trip was worked out after the commitment of going. There was something missing in my life. I was going to use this Peru trip to hopefully sort that out. And here is what I thought I knew before going to Peru. I felt like my gratitude game needed some work, a lot of work. My judgment game needed to be turned down and silenced. And I wanted to spend time with people who cared about shit, specifically the food, the land, each other. Just been having this long feeling that the American dream got hijacked along the way and, and many things were just added to it that contributed to us losing our way. And if I was to point out one big one, it would be the notion that the American dream applies to every individual rather than to the families. Right, the American dream quickly became a nightmare when every single person is running off to indebt themselves to go to college because it's the thing to do. Run out trying to buy their own home because that's the thing to do. Try to raise a family because that's the thing to do, etc. Branching out, leaving the nest, leaving the community and trying to live the American dream on your own one nightmare at a time. As many millions of young people are realizing now that, hey, college debt sucks and it's with you forever, like luggage. Home ownership's a fucking pipe dream. Trying to raise two kids with two working parents is not ideal situation for the kids. Turns out the medium income, less the student loan payments, less the car payments, less the monthly rent that's more than my mortgage, minus out the latest smartphone payment. You take all that out of the medium income, achieving this new material-based American dream is near impossible and completely unfulfilling. What's the joke, right? Kids living in their parents' basement until they're 30? I mean, that's how it used to be, though. Families stuck together helped each other out. Think of the advantages to having three generations under one roof. But I guess that was producing too many independent thinking people and our country seems to be in the dependent people business, but I digress. So why Peru? Because I was in search of gratitude. I wanted to lose the judgment I had and replace it with compassion so I could better help people. And I wanted to be surrounded by people who gave a shit. That was the short answer I came up with. And there was a lot of preparation for this trip. One homework assignment was to write a letter to yourself. And man, this was a powerful exercise that I have never done in my life. And I'm going to read you what I wrote myself. Dear Nick, I am really proud of the work you have put into becoming more self-aware and for taking responsibility for your actions. You have armed yourself with many tools to help you become more aware and enlightened. This journey will require a lifetime of effort to undo all of the previous programming. Don't get frustrated when you allow bad habits to surface. Identify them. Call yourself out nicely and move on. Set a good example for those around you. Enjoy every second of your human experience. Every moment is an experience. No one cares. No one remembers. 
Don't waste your time and energy on the drama that you create in your head. You are the one that hears the voice. You are not the voice. You are not what the voice says you are. Be humble, be grateful, and work towards zero judgment. Karma will come. Be patient. Be of service to those who serve others. See if you can lose all of those things you think you hate about yourself. You are enough. You are loved. Even if people can't show you or tell you what you think you need to hear. Surrender to the experience at hand and then move on to the next one without carryover. The goals for the rest of your human experience is to tell and show your family that you love them every day. Create a life free of the matrix. Never stop learning and growing. Say what you mean. Pass on as much wisdom to your children as you can. Take risks. Follow your intuition. Make your guides proud. Become aware as fuck. The fear is always worse than the experience. And any suffering is preparation. No regrets. You got this, kid. And I wrote my own name to myself. Ugh. So again, very powerful exercise if you've never done that. That was the first time I ever wrote a letter to myself. And it was an effective tool for me to go back and read during moments of this trip when I needed to do that. So on September 18th, Michelle and I boarded a plane to Boston bound for Cusco, Peru. We had a stop in Newark and in Lima on the way to get there. And after a quick flight to Newark and a short layover, we boarded our flight to Lima, Peru. And quick pro-traveling tip, if you're flying international and they have business class with lay-flat seats, you buy them. Seven-plus hours in a Craftmatic adjustable bed goes by way quicker. I watched three movies, I ate dinner, and I also discovered that dealing with turbulence is way easier when you're laying down, so that was cool. And then about an hour and a half out from Lima, I made this note in my journal that I'm not allowing myself to even think about the details and the logistics of the Lima airport in our upcoming overnight layover. So we land in Lima around 11 p.m. We go grab our bags and we get a quick lesson in surrendering because my bags came right out and Michelle's, eh, not so much. In fact, the same bags went around and around that carousel several times before her bags finally showed up. Now, her bag was carrying her stuff and her husband's stuff. And we were just sitting there watching the same bags go around and around and both try to resist freaking the fuck out prematurely. Because lesson one, don't freak out until there's a reason to freak out. That voice in your head's giving you the worst case scenario play by play. And that doesn't count as a reason to freak out. And lesson two, even if we had a reason to freak out, don't. Why? I mean, what is the net positive that freaking out will bring you? None. The act of freaking out only delays the action needed to move on. And I think we were both dealing with that and trying to play it forward. Like, what are we going to do if she doesn't have any of her shit? So tragedy averted, we get our bags. We go to the gate to check in for our 6 a.m. flight to Cusco. Now it's currently 11 p.m. So we have a long time to wait before our flight. And luckily they were able to check our bags because we still had a good solid five to six hours of waiting in the airport. And after we did several laps around this enormous international airport, a few things started to really stand out to us. One, this airport is busy as fuck. And this is 11 p.m. on a Tuesday. 
and two, every place to sit in the entire international fucking airport was occupied. We initially found two stools in the food court. We sat down and then we naively left to go find greener pastures, a more comfortable seat. Well, that was a big fucking mistake because we ended up sitting on the floor in a quiet little corner of the airport between an ATM and a money exchange kiosk. And we sat and we sat in that airport. It seemed to get busier and busier. I dozed off and I awoke to somebody now sitting right next to me on the floor. And then there was two young girls wedged in between Michelle in the wall that she was about two feet away from. Every square foot of space that could be settled was occupied by everybody and their mother waiting for a flight. Every restaurant, every shop was open, middle of the night. And why, you may ask? Well, come to find out, nearly 100% of the international flights into Peru land in Lima. So this place is buzzing at all hours of all days. At about 4 a.m., they opened up the domestic gates and we were able to find a seat outside our gate and we waited for our flight to Cusco. It was a quick two-hour flight right as the sun was rising. And lucky for me, I was at a window seat, so I just spent the whole flight staring out the window, looking at the white fluffy clouds below, and every once in a while, this mountaintop would just be visible poking up through the clouds. As we landed in Cusco, the mountains were just breathtaking. I don't know how else to describe it. This, the highest ridges followed by these valleys, and that just seemed to continue for as far as the eye could see. And when we landed, we were surrounded by mountains. And Cusco is 11,152 feet above sea level. And there were mountains all around us that looked to be just as big. So just for some perspective here, Mount Washington, the northeast's largest mountain, is 6,288 feet above sea level. You take Mount Washington, put Sunday River on top of that, and then grab Wachusa Mountain, put it on top of that. You stack all three mountains on top of each other. That's the elevation that we just walked off the plane into. And then don't forget, there are still mountains all around us that extend up another five to 8,000 feet to the sky. Just breathing at this altitude was challenging. There is 30% less oxygen at this altitude, so any kind of shallow breaths did not get your lungs the oxygen that they were used to getting. So deliberate, deep breaths was really the only way to catch your breath. And that was just sitting there. Forget what it was like if you try to climb a flight of stairs. Michelle and I roll into the Hotel Paradise at 8.30 a.m. local time. Our check-in time is 1 p.m., so just more waiting. So I asked the guy behind the desk if we could wait in the lobby, and he said yes. My plan was to sit right in front of this guy so he would have to stare at us until a room became available. I just figured the sight of our beat-up asses, like six-plus hours on the Lima airport floor, and that just took a baseball bat to our lay-flat, business-class, you know, fucking pampered selves. We looked like a bag of smashed gringo dicks. And he lasted about an hour having a look at us while we just sat there, fucking punch drunk, retarded, white as fuck, before he just got us a room and moved that circus upstairs out of sight. So, had a nice little night in the hotel, room service, right to bed, and the next day we went back to the airport to meet up with the rest of the squad. Michelle's husband, DJ, and her longtime friend, Christy, flew in that morning, and we were meeting one other young woman named Saifa, who was already in country, 
who had spent the night in Cusco. We all met at 1 p.m. for our bus ride to, who knows, none of us knew where we were going. We knew we were where we were meeting a bus that was supposed to take us somewhere. After a two-hour bus ride through the mountains and the valley, through some of the most breathtaking scenery I've ever seen in my life, over the most fucking speed bumps I've ever been over in my life, and making some of the tightest turns and wedging a bus through some of the narrowest passages in my life, we arrived at this hidden compound. This compound just tucked way back off the road, down these long dirt roads behind a farm and surrounded by mountains on all sides. And I'm just going to try to paint the picture of this compound. Just picture two football fields kind of put side by side. That's essentially the footprint of the property. There's a row of five single family dwellings in a line on the right hand side. There's a path that leads up to all of them. And then right to the left of that path is a stream that's snaking its way through the property next to that walkway. Because they have water that's making its way down from the surrounding mountains, runs right through this property. And there are two small waterfalls as this river just descends down in elevation. Just absolutely gorgeous. There is an open field area in the middle of the property. And on the left-hand side sits a few more houses, then a set of stone stairs up about 20 or 30 feet to a maloca. Traditionally, a maloca or the big house of the Amazon is a large communal house inhabited by in the indigenous of the Amazon. In other words, the maloca is a divine archetype, the womb of the mother earth, the house of the sun and moon, and the receptacle of the celestial ray. Our maloca was a giant round room with two glass doors and panoramic windows all the way around it. And the room was probably about 30 feet in diameter. Back in the day, your maloca could also serve as a solar calendar because if you sat in the middle of that maloca, you could observe the sun changing its angle over time. So from June to December, the angle of the sun as it came across the maloca would shift 47 degrees over that time. So it was almost like a sundial. And next to this maloca on that top level was a nice in-ground fire pit an in-ground concrete saltwater pool, and a slightly overgrown basketball court. Lastly, tucked underneath that saltwater pool on the lower level of that field was a brick oven, a wood-burning pool heater, and some firewood storage. So that's our campus for the next 10 days. Michelle, her husband DJ, and Christy got one house. Saifa, our trip organizer Carla, and myself got the house next door. And then a few houses down is where Grace and Elsa would stay. And Grace and Elsa were part of our hosts that would cook our meals and take care of us with whatever we needed as far as our living situation went. Their house had a big dining room table to accommodate the six of us for our meals. And they had a giant outdoor kitchen that they used to cook all of our meals from scratch. So we arrived at this beautiful compound. We got together and we started off our stay with an opening ceremony in the Maloka where we made an altar, we set some intentions, and we put together some gift bags for Gracie and Elsa. In Peru, it is customary to give before you receive. So since Grace and Elsa were going to be cooking us all of our meals and taking care of us, we give them each a thank you bag filled with just a bunch of thoughtful little gifts such as chocolate. Someone brought maple syrup from New Hampshire. There was some money in there and just other small gestures 
of gratitude from the group. We then had a delicious dinner and went to bed early, only knowing that in the morning we would be doing yoga and then meeting one of the most respected medicine women in Peru. Her name was Doris, who would be giving us a coca leaf reading, lead us through a lemongrass purge, and then a hachuma ceremony. All of that taking place on our first full day in Peru. So buckle up. The journey is just beginning. I'd like to thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hopefully, this series will either entertain, educate, or inspire you. And if you're lucky, maybe all three. My life is forever changed as a result of this experience. And I hope, I hope I can convey the journey to you so you can come along for the ride. Gonna be released from the heart is love. Uh-huh.